please, and turn to page number one. Page number one in your hymn book. We'll sing verses two, three, and four of that same song. Rejoice, the Lord is King. We have something to rejoice about this morning. Amen. Let's sing it out on that second verse. The Lord our Savior reigns, the God of truth and love. When He had first our saints, He took His seat above. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice again. house again. Amen. And man, what a great week of uh, revival uh, that we had. And uh, sure thankful Brother Ted uh, made it back uh, to Homestead, Florida there uh, yesterday morning and, and made it back safely. But man, what a great week. And I know uh, a lot of you have been here throughout the week and each service. You're a little tired uh, this morning and we were singing about rejoicing in the Lord and you didn't look like you were rejoicing on the outside. Hopefully you were smiling on the inside, right? Uh, but sure glad you made it here uh, this morning and looking forward to getting back into our, our study of the book of, of Romans. I'm sure thankful this morning I'm saved, and I'm thankful I'm saved the Bible way, amen, by faith. And so we're going to be looking at that this morning and trust that if you're saved, you'll be tremendously encouraged. But if you're not saved, boy, you need to be saved today, amen. And so looking forward uh, to that, but sure glad you're here. Uh, don't forget about if you have kids uh, in Faith Baptist School, there'll be no school tomorrow. So Monday will be a great day of rest, amen. Uh, and so uh, don't forget about that. And then also, uh, tonight, our missionary to Japan, Brother Jack Parker, he's currently our youth director, but we're getting ready to kick him out, amen. Uh, but we got to get him ready before we boot him out, right? And uh, we'll, uh, he's going to be preaching tonight in the evening service. So just looking forward to a good day in the Lord, amen? And so trust that you are as well. I'm looking forward to a good day in the Lord, amen? Okay, me and about five other people are looking forward to a good day in the Lord, all right? And the rest of you that will just have to endure to the end and hopefully be saved, amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, this morning. Brother Rich Raymer back there, would you pray for us this morning? Amen. Let's remain standing. Go ahead and turn to page number 30. Page number 30. I'll hail the power of Jesus' name. We'll sing all four verses this morning. Page number 30. <clears throat> 
last name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Ye chosen seed of Israel's race, ye ransom from Turn to page 110. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Page 110. Lift it up together on that first verse. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The glories of my God and King. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus, the name that charms our fears. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Tis music in the sinner's ears. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He breaks the power of canceled sin. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His blood can make the foulness clean. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Turn to page 290 now. Page number 290. A new name written down in glory. I hope you can say, and it's mine this morning. Amen. Let's sing it out together on that first verse. I was once a sinner, but I came. I was once a sinner, but I came. Pardon to receive from my Lord. This was freely given, and I found that he always kept his word. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. And the white robed angels sing the story. A sinner has come home, for there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes it's mine, with my sins forgiven I am bound for heaven nevermore to roam. Let's get around and shake hands together this morning, good to see each one of you here, glad to have some visiting with us today, we're thankful you're here today with us. Page 290, if you need that page number, let's sing that last verse. In the book tis written, saved by grace. Aren't you glad that's in God's word? Man, I'm telling you what. Let's sing it out on that last verse. In the book tis written, saved by grace. Oh, the joy that came to my soul. Now I am forgiven and I know by the blood I am made whole. There's a new name. Written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine, and the white robe angel. 
Come for the offering. I'd like to read to you from Second Chronicles 15. It says, So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa, and they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought, seven hundred oxen and seven thousand sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. Brother Jack Parker, did you pray for the offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated. Turn to page 649 for our last song and stand one last time this morning. Page 649, Mansion Over the Hilltop. Sing all three verses this morning as we begin this. Page 649, I'm satisfied with just a cottage below. I'm satisfied with just a cottage below.
I'm telling you, what we have to look forward to, if you're saved this morning, is amazing. Amen. Uh, you may be seated. Wonderful singing this morning. Just before Pastor comes to preach, Brother Gary Clark is going to come sing for us this morning. to tell you what I think of Jesus since I found in him a friend so kind and good I would tell you how he changed my life completely he did something that no other friend could do no one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. All my life was full of sin when Jesus found me. All my heart was full of misery and woe. 
Jesus placed his strong and loving arms about me And he led me in the way I ought to go No one ever cared for me like Jesus There's no other friend so kind as he no one else can take the sin and darkness from me oh how much he cared for me every day he comes to me with new assurance more and more i understand his words of love then by faith I'll know just why he came to save me. Then someday I'll see his blessed face above. No one ever cares for you like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else can take the sin and darkness from you. Oh, how much he cares for you. Well, he sure loves you, and he died for you, and he's living again. He lives today, friends, so that you can be uh, saved. Well, I'm sure glad you're here, and um, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been in our study in the book of Romans, but looking forward to getting back into that uh, this morning. And so let's take our Bibles and, and uh, let's stand in honor of God's Word. If you're able to stand and turn with me to Romans in chapter number 4. Romans in chapter number 4, it's not good when I'm not, I'm not even started preaching yet and I'm already drinking water, Amen. So, I'm telling you, I feel like I've been full, I'm full of preaching, I'm full of barbecue, but I'm also full of preaching, uh, but man, I'm, I'm looking forward to preaching, uh, getting back into this uh, this morning. Romans in chapter number 4, and let's begin reading in verse number 1 here, okay? And I'll remind you of some things here in a little bit, and hopefully you'll grab a hold of this, but notice he says, and this is of course of Paul writing the saints in Rome, he says, what shall we say then? that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? What does the Bible say? Here's what it says. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Did you catch that, Abraham? In other words, Abraham had faith. All right, look down at verse number 4. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Okay? Even as David also describeth the blessedness of man, unto whom God imputeth uh, righteousness without works, saying, okay, and again, the Bible is going back to the Bible. Aren't you glad for the Bible? And notice it says in verse 7, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. 
So then he asks, verse number 9, Cometh this blessedness this, this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also, talking about Jews and Gentiles. And he says, For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? Was it when, when he was in circumcision or in, in uncircumcision? Not, he answers it, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. So what does that mean? Well, here's what that means, that not just the Jew can be saved by faith, but so can the Gentile. Well, what does that have to do with me? Well, let's, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, these be a lot of Gentiles out here. So he's talking to. So then he says in verse number 11, And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet, being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also, and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith that our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Father Abraham had many sons and many... Okay, sorry, I'm right there, isn't it? Let's keep reading. Stay with me. Look at verse number 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise of none effect, because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all, all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written against Scripture, I have made thee a father of many nations before him who he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope, Believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. We're going to stop right there. Now, I, listen, I, I realize there's a lot of deep things here and we've got to get right to it this morning. But I just want to remind you, and of course many of you are, are guests here this morning and I understand that. But a couple of weeks ago, all right, we were in chapter number 3 and we'll look at this more closely in a moment but what I want to say to you is this, is that chapter 3 ended with really God's plan of salvation, more particularly receiving the righteousness of Jesus Christ. All right, now you've got to remember this, there is none righteous, no, not one. All right, that includes all of us. And so therefore, man needs the righteousness of Jesus Christ in order to have a right standing before God. But you got to understand this. He cannot achieve this through his own works. He must come to God by faith. The just shall live by faith. Okay? So now we enter into chapter 4. All right? And where chapter 3 focused on righteousness, chapter 4 focuses on faith. Because and I want you and I want to read this to you and I want I want to be careful of what I say here. Faith, not works, faith is the catalyst, if you will, that appropriates or puts into effect the righteousness of Jesus Christ 
into a person's life. It's faith. It's faith. So simply put, here's what our text is declaring this morning. Salvation is by faith. Salvation is by... Let me just put it... Here's how I would title it. Salvation is by faith. It is by faith. Father, would you bless the preaching now? And God, use me. There are certainly some deep things here in your word. And want to bring those to the surface this morning that we might better understand. I, I pray for those that are here this morning and they have put their faith and trust in you. And God, give us attentive hearts to this and to be even encouraged from this when it's all said and done. And we'll praise you and thank you for it. But Lord, if there's be some here this morning and they do not have faith in Jesus Christ or, 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 or they have faith in something else other than Jesus Christ... God, convict them and draw them and show them that man can only be saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Would you bless the preaching now in Jesus' name? Amen. You may be seated this morning. Appreciate you standing in honor of God's Word. Here we go with the water again. I, several times that you and I have been studying already through the book of Romans, and, and I have... Uh, I've mentioned this, and, and, and if you're here this morning, maybe for the first time or uh, something like that through our studies, and you need to know this, that the book of Romans, it used to be a mandatory text in our law schools in America. It used to be that way before people started taking the church and the state, and uh, that law, the separation of church and state started taking it out of context. You, you understand that that law is there not to keep the church from influencing the state, but rather to keep the state out of the church. Uh, all right? But, you know, but, but, but for time's sake, this used to be a mandatory text uh, in law schools in America, even up to the 60s and, and, and 70s. And the reason for this was because it was one of the best defenses for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I'm just telling you, ever penned. And of course, we know who the author is. It's the Spirit of God and all of that. But the reason that I bring that up is to say this, that no truer is that statement proven than in our text uh, th this morning. I, I don't know, I was trying to think of a good way to maybe illustrate this, and I don't know if you've ever, you know, uh, you, you've ever had a child and caught them eating cookies when they weren't supposed to, uh, and they're trying to hide the fact that they're eating cookies, but yet there's chocolate all over their face, and they're looking at you like, no, I've not eaten any cookies. And you're looking at them, and I'm just telling you right now, if you're an only child, it's a bummer. Because you've got nobody to blame it on. Or if you're a child, you know, you're a younger child and you've got older siblings or something. I'm, I'm just thankful that I had a dog, all right, when I was growing up, and he did it. I, I told this story a while back, but I remember when my son was, was little and, and uh, had eaten some candy when he was not uh, supposed to, and... And he took the wrapper and dropped it in his trash can right there uh, in his room where everybody can see. And I'm just telling you, you, you can't do that stuff when you have sisters. All right? And especially when one of them is like the investigative reporter of the family. And, and sure enough, man, here comes Taylor in. And she's accusing Luke of, of eating candy when he wasn't supposed to. Brings in the evidence, man, the trash can. There's the candy wrapper right there. And all he could do with the overwhelming case against him is just admit his guilt and confess his sin right, right there. 
what I'm trying to say to you this morning is this, is that our text is like the chocolate from the cookie on the kid's face. It's like the wrapper in the trash can. In other words, it is overwhelming proof that salvation is by faith. It's by faith. I want you to go back and just let me explain this and and why you, you have to come to this conclusion here of this is what Paul is trying to deal with in our text. Now, last time we were in Romans, we, again, I, I mentioned this earlier, but we were in Romans chapter 3, and we looked at verses 19 through 31 that close out the chapter. And I just I want to bring some things to your attention here. Recall your memory if I could. Look at Romans chapter 3 and verse number 21 and, and 22. He says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all, and upon all them that believe, for there is no, no difference. And so right here we find this, that Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God that man must have. All right, The righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. And I love this, it's unto all, meaning this, it's available to all, but it's only upon all them that believe. Did you catch that? Look down at verse number 24. All right, we know that Romans 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But look at verse number 24. He says, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. So again, Christ is our Redeemer as well, right? He is our access to the righteousness of God. He is our Redeemer. That means this, that through His blood our sin debt is paid in full. What a blessing that is. And then look down at verse number 25 because he says, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. So that word right there, propitiation, it means our substitute or rather our replacement. In other words, He took our place on the cross of Calvary. What a blessing that is. And be in fact, you can keep reading there. In verse number 26, it says to declare, I say, at this time, His righteousness. So there again, His righteousness comes back into view as the chapter begins to close out. But watch this. This is what I want you to catch. See, not only do we see those things that Christ is for us in the plan of God's, in the plan of God's salvation that, that He has for mankind, but, but the, something else that's pointed out through all of these verses is this. The reception of these things is contingent upon faith. It's contingent upon faith. All right, look, look back. Look back at verse number 22. It says, even the righteousness of God, watch this, which is what? Which is by what? By faith of Jesus Christ. So, so notice now, look down at verse number, verse number 25. He says, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. Now watch this. Through faith in His blood. You see that? Now now look down at verse number 26. To declare I say that this time, that uh, to declare I say at this time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. There's faith again. Is everybody catching that? In fact, you can read. Look at verse 28. He concludes it here. He says, Therefore we conclude that man is justified by what? Faith. All right? Without the deeds of the law. 
Is he the God of the Jews only? Is, not, is he not also the, of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Catch that? Is everybody getting this? Now watch this because now you come into chapter 4. Which is really where Paul begins his defense, if you will, for the faith. And what he's going to do is he's going to slam the door, so to speak, on faith. And on this case, with overwhelming evidence. And by the way, it includes the example of Abraham. If you want to get the attention of Jews, just mention names like Moses or Abraham. Boy, you're talking about their ears perking up. They'll begin to listen, and so that's what Paul begins to deal with. And it was Abraham, catch this, it was Abraham that believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That means this, that Abraham was saved by grace through faith, not of works. Pretty awesome. So now, before we get into this, I just I want to lay out some things for you. And explain why this is so important that you and I would look at this this morning outside of the fact that it's in the Bible. All right, but, but you understand, what I'm trying to get at is this. What's the application here? What is it for you and for me? Well, here, there's two things really that I thought of. One of those is this. It certainly exposes the false doctrine of works for salvation. Doesn't it? I, listen, I, I'm just telling you, and this is, and I want, I want you to listen to this. Please catch this. The great danger for many of us this morning is to approach this subject with apathy. Well, you know, preacher, we've, we've heard this before. This is old hat. This is unimportant to us. We've already, we've already been saved by grace through faith. Please catch this. Just, I'm, I'm just telling you, it, the reason we have that spirit and that mentality and that attitude is because we consistently hear a biblical, a biblical presentation of the gospel over and over and over again. But what you have to realize is that the majority of Christianity, Christendom as a whole, the majority of that is a works-based salvation. That's right. That's, and that's scary. And that's scary when we got the truth of the Bible right in front of us. Is anybody catching this? When you have Jesus Christ over and over again in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John saying this, He that believeth, he that believeth on me, he that believeth, 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 believeth. Not once does he say, he that gets baptized is saved, or he that joins the church gets saved, or he that partakes of the Lord's Supper gets saved, or he that lights a candle gets saved, or he that prays to Mary gets saved. Not once does he ever say any of those things. It is all by faith. And so I'm just saying to you, the majority of Christianity as a whole has created this false doctrine of works for salvation. And you need to know this, the hallmark of any cult is a works-based salvation. It's a works-based salvation. Well, you got to do this, or you got to do that, or you got to do that. you got to go stand out on your head on the highway for 30 minutes on Highway 169 to be saved. No, thank God you can just come to Jesus Christ by faith. I'm just telling you, listen, listen, the Catholics teach a person must participate in their confessions and their communions and pray to Mary and give penance in order to be saved. 
The Campbellites or the Church of Christ denomination believes a person must be baptized in order to be saved. Lutherans have their catechisms. Methodists have their confirmations. And many of the charismatics believe a person must speak in their version of tongues, which is not the tongues of the Bible, in order to truly be saved. Hence you have names like Full Gospel Church. Well, the full gospel is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and faith in that and that alone. Please understand this. I'm not trying to be mean this morning or start some kind of religious war. Some of you aren't looking at me like you believe that. But I'm not. I'm not at all. Listen, I've often said this. There's a lot of good people caught up in bad doctrine. Truth of the matter is, friend, there's a lot of Baptists who have gotten away from the things of God and left the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. But what I'm saying to you, friend, is that if you take away or add to the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are outside the boundaries of the Word of God. Man is saved by grace through faith. Period. That's it. Well, I, you know, preacher, they... You know, you know, you you just haven't studied your Bible and you just don't understand. Because I'm just telling you, I've had all these debates and boy, social media is so much fun. And I know, you know, we're in a court case here and Paul's presenting his case as as the, the defendant on trial. And so the prosecutor of the Jews is going to come forth and he's going to cross-examine and go, what about James chapter 2? I mean, that shows us that that works is salvation. Well, the problem is you're taking James chapter 2 out of context. In fact, hold your place there in the book of Romans. Let's study the Bible a little bit this morning. Amen? Let's study the Bible. Go to James chapter 2 just quickly with me. James chapter 2. See, what you've got to realize is that James is dealing with believers already. He's writing to the 12 tribes scattered abroad, the Jewish believers that have put their faith and trust in Christ. have been scattered due to persecution. James is addressing them, all right? And, and so therefore, when you get to chapter 2, it's about an outward manifestation of the faith that you should already possess inwardly. Look at verse number 1. Let's be sure to get it in context. James chapter 2. He says, My brethren... Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come into into your assembly a man with a a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and and say unto him, Sit thou thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. That's the back row. Just, amen. Just kidding you, all right? Look at what he says. He says, Are you not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? What he's saying right there is this, all right? How you treat people is a manifestation of your faith. If you show favoritism towards those wearing nice clothing versus those wearing poor clothing, that is a poor example of faith. That's a very shallow faith, my friend. It's a very shallow faith. Look, let's go down though. Let's get into it a little deeper. Look down at verse number 14. I remember somebody telling me, Brother Leon Gray at Berean Baptist Church, he said this, most Baptists wouldn't let James come in their church and preach in our day and time. But look at what he says in verse number 14. He says, What doth it profit, my brethren, 
Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Now watch this carefully, and you can follow in your notes as you listen to this. But the answer to the question in verse 14, can faith save him? The answer to that is yes. It's faith. So long as it's not dead faith. Which James goes on to confront. Real faith, listen to this, real faith, okay, is not a show. It's not a show where we look the part outwardly, but yet we treat people differently on the inside. Is everybody catching that? It's, it's, not, it's not a show and then we treat people poorly, watch this, nor is it lip service. As illustrated by the scenario of one destitute and in need of food. If, you're, if your response is, I'll pray for you, be ye warmed and filled. When you have the ability to be a help to them, then I'm saying to you, friend, that's dead faith. That's what he's saying. Here's what the Bible says, okay? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Is everybody getting that? The Bible defines faith for us. Somebody say amen. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. See, here's the thing. No one can look upon the heart and see if you have faith. No one can do that. All right? But, but however, there should be evidence of that which cannot be seen. Well, how's that? Well, kind treatment to others despite their clothing. Serving others, all right, when in need. That's why James says what he says in verse 18. He says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. You catch that? So I'm, listen, I'm just, look, look at verse 19 and 20. Let's keep going. He says, Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? <clears throat> there is such a thing as dead faith. Okay? And it's really this, and I want you to grab a hold of this. Please, please engage your minds a little bit this morning. It's really this. It's really accepting the facts and calling it faith. Does that make sense? All right, well, now watch this. Because here's the thing. Facts and faith are two very different things. Is everybody catching this? All right, watch this. Because here, listen, here's what James says. You believe there is a God? That's accepting facts, isn't it? Well, here's what he says. Good. Because the devil and his angels, well, they believe there is a God. However, accepting the facts of that is not biblical faith that produces a fruit. I believe in the existence of airplanes. And some of you are going, well, duh. Yeah, you'd be foolish not to because, I mean, they fly over our house 
all the time. You understand? I mean, it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be foolish to deny the existence of airplanes about like it'd be foolish to deny the existence of God. I believe in the existence of airplanes, but you understand, watch this, but when I purchase a ticket and step onto that airplane, and I'm now trusting and believing that that airplane is going to fly me to the destination that I desire it to, see, now I've entered a different kind of realm. It's not just believing the facts of it, but I'm putting my faith in it. Okay, some of you are just kind of looking at me a little but you understand, friend, I'm, listen, it's the same thing we have to do with God. See, the scary thing is this, watch this, the scary thing is that many people, I'm just telling you, in, in our day and time, and even many Baptists, they are confusing the two. I've heard people say things like that, well, you know, all you got to do is believe in God. And terminology-wise, I want to say you're right. You do have to believe. That's what the Bible says over and over and over again. But what they're saying is, is that I just have to believe in the existence of God. And what James is saying in the text is that real faith is more than accepting the facts. It's putting trust in. So that it produces a fruit in your life of looking upon people without respect of persons and showing kindness to them and serving others and living for our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm just telling you, friend, this is exactly why we have so much dead faith in our day and time that doesn't bear any fruit. Because here's the thing, when you realize that His Son is the Savior, you're the sinner and you're on your way to hell and you put your faith and trust in Him, that's different than just believing that He exists. That's developing a personal relationship with and having faith in. Is anybody catching this? And it's at that moment you receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ. See what Paul or what James here is going to bring up in the following verses is that that's exactly where Abraham was and Rahab were at. Look at what he says in verse 21. And I realize I'm, I'm spending some time here, but, but we'll get back to Romans chapter 4 in a few minutes. But watch this. He says, was not Abraham our father justified by works? Oh, wait a minute now. Just be patient. Wait, wait, wait. He says, when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar, see thou how faith wrought with his works, and the works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see how that by works a man is justified, and not, and not by faith only? Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, which he had received the messengers, and, and had sent them out uh, another way. For the, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead, is dead also. Listen, you and I are looking, I, I'm just, what, mm. I'm, I'm about like Brother Ted. Squirrel. Don't be confused by the phrase justified by works in the passage. They were obviously justified by faith. However, that is not seen by the human eye until it is manifested through their works. It is no different with New Testament baptism. A man can say he has faith, but I'm just telling you, I don't take it serious until they follow Christ in baptism. Baptism doesn't save them, nor does it justify them. However, that faith is manifested when they submit themselves to following Jesus Christ in baptism. Isn't that amazing? 
I'm just telling, listen, you and I are on, we are looking at Abraham's faith in Romans chapter number four, and we're on the beginning of that. However, we would have never known his faith was real without the offering of Isaac. And it is the same with Rahab the harlot. She already had faith. However, we would have never known she had faith had she not received the spies. Please get this this morning. Works are important. They manifest our faith. But it's faith, real faith, that must come first. And it's faith alone in the finished work of Jesus Christ that saves a person. James was not contradicting what Paul was writing in Romans chapter 4. Rather, he was giving the other end of that, of that, of that real faith in that it should manifest itself in works. That's what James was doing. This has nothing to do with, with our salvation being by works. It has everything to do with having real faith and it manifesting itself in works. Now go back to Romans chapter 4. So you understand, hopefully by now, that salvation is by faith. And I realize I'm preaching to the choir, so to speak, and we would have never had to go to James chapter 2, but you understand that there are people that believe in salvation by works. And James chapter 2 is a major proof text for them, but hopefully it got exposed that it's not. That's not at all what James was dealing with. So it does, it does I'm just telling you, it does contradict the false doctrine of, of, of salvation by works. But here's the other thing. It challenges us to have our own faith. Come on, that's what it does here in Romans chapter 4. What good does it do to look outwardly and see the false doctrine of this world, but never to look inwardly and look at our own selves? If you do, here's what you'll find. Listen to this. If you already have faith in Christ, it's pretty encouraging. I like, what, I like what 1 John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Listen to this. It is not God's intention for His children to walk around unsure of their eternal destiny. You can know that you are saved and have eternal life. You can know that you are, you, you are bought with a price. How? Well, because these things have been written. That's what he's saying in 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. There may be days where you and I don't feel like we're saved. But praise God, we have these things. And I'm just, listen, I'm, I'm just telling you, it's not based on how I feel. It's based upon the promises of the Word of God. And as so long as I did what the Bible says to do to have salvation, then I don't have to worry about how I feel. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And it's because of that faith that He saves me. But if you don't have faith, or you're here this morning, and your faith is in the wrong thing or person, you may find this pretty convicting. And too many are sitting in our Baptist churches listening to sound a sound biblical gospel presentation, but yet trying to appease their own conscience with their works, their baptism, their church attendance, their service, trying to live a good life, but you will never have peace with God until you come to Jesus Christ by faith. Look at what he says in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1. 
Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You understand the word therefore is the conclusion of what he just dealt with all throughout chapter number 4, that peace between man and God comes only through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not through, well, you know, preacher, I'm, I'm a member of this church. Well, really, well, when did you get saved? When did you put your faith and trust in Christ? Well, I got baptized. No, 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 no. When did you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Anybody get what I'm saying to you? Romans chapter 4, let's look at this. So here's Paul. And he's dealing with the Jews in Rome. who've been banking on their works and their law. And now he's given the plan of righteousness in Jesus Christ by faith. And he begins to give faith. And here's what he does. Exhibit A. Abraham. You got Abraham. And he says in verse 3, verse number 1, What shall we then say? What shall we, then, what shall we say then that Abraham our father is pertaining to the flesh? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 15 just quickly. I want you to see this because Paul is obviously, he's quoting from this passage. Genesis chapter 15, look at verse number 1. This will go kind of, this, I know I realize I spent a lot of time on introduction, but this will go kind of quickly. Just bear with me. Alright, you've been, you've been sitting through two hour messages with Brother Ted, so I should get a real attaboy after about an hour message, alright? Genesis chapter 15, verse number 1. He says, After these things the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of, the, of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me that thou... And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir... And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Now watch this, verse 6. And he believed in God, or he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now here's what I want you to listen to this. I want you to catch this. Here's the things that I want you to want to bring out. The first thing is this, is that Abraham was saved by faith, not facts. See, you thought I was going over there to James chapter 2 to just fill time. But he was saved by faith, not facts. Is everybody catching this? Please listen to this. Look at verse number 5 again. Because here, look at it. Here's what God did. God, listen. God brought him forth abroad and said, look, at the, look toward heaven, look at the stars. That's going to be your seed. What he's doing is he's showing him his promise, is he not? Saying, this is what I have in store for you. This is going to be your legacy. This is going to be your heritage. This is what I have for you. And so Abraham, after being shown this, this promise, he believed in, God, in the Lord. He trusted in God and what God had for him. He didn't just go, oh, I believe you exist now. 
Let's leave there in Genesis chapter number 15 and go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. This might be one of the last times I make you turn, might. Maybe. Because I'm just just please go with me right here and look at this. Ephesians chapter 1. Because this is so vital that you see this. And watch this. Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> look at verses 12 and 13. Okay? Here's what it says. And I got it in my notes, but I want you to see this. He says. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 12, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first, now watch this phrase right here, trusted in who? Christ, right? Now look at verse number 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Okay, now I know there's a wonderful truth there about being sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, but I want you to notice in verse number 13, the word trusted at the beginning of the verse, and then also in whom also after that ye believed at the end of the verse, the word trusted and believed are the same thing. They're used interchangeably. Do you know why? Because they're meant to mean the same thing. Is everybody getting this? Well, what I'm, what I'm trying to say to you is this, is that, that, that the problem develops when we redefine biblical terms like this and where believe in the Scriptures has always meant to mean faith or to trust in, we've turned it into accepting the facts. Well, you know, all you got to do is just believe in God. I remember, and I've told this story before, but I remember being at work one time, and when I was welding for a living before I started pastoring, and I remember one of the guys, uh, we, were getting, we were clocking out going to lunch in the lunchroom, and one of the guys said this, how do you get to heaven? He was asking another guy. And I was like, man, we're just starting controversy right off into the, into the lunchroom. Because you know, it's like politics and religion. Here we go. He said, how do you get to heaven? And he was clocking out. And the other guy behind him said this, well, all you got to do is believe in God. And I was like, son, let's get in there. I'm ready. Because here's the thing, and again, terminology-wise, please catch this, terminology-wise, he was right, but that's not what he meant. He was saying, all you got to do is just accept the fact that there is a God, and it's all good. No, 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 it's more than just facts, it's faith. Abraham didn't go, wow, look at all that, I believe there is a God. No, Abraham already understood those things, but when he saw the promises and what God had for him versus his own plan... That's why we read the previous verses that, oh, I guess a servant's going to be an heir of mine. God's saying, no, 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 no. Here's what I have in store for you. And it says this, that Abraham believed in the Lord. That means this, he put his faith and trust in the promise that God had for him. Not just the fact that he existed, but he trusted in God. Is everybody catching that? I'm telling you, friend, listen to me. I got saved at the age of 20. All right? And, and the big thing for me was, I didn't believe there was a God. And I thought this Bible thing was crazy. And I'm so thankful. I was even thanking the Lord this morning. I'm so thankful that when I sat down with my father-in-law, the Spirit of God knew exactly where to take him so that I would understand the truth that there is a God and that Jesus is the Savior. I saw the proof that He had risen from the dead from the Word of God in 1 Corinthians 15 that He was seen of over 500 brethren, Paul said, of whom some are alive at this time right now. And when I saw that, I realized there is a God in heaven. Jesus is the Savior, but I also realized this, I'm a sinner who needs to be saved. 
And the whole way home, I'm driving home and I'm under conviction. And the Spirit of God's going, are you going to die and go to heaven? Are you going to die and go to hell? Are you going to die and go to heaven? Are you going to die and go to hell? And I got on my face and I called upon the Lord to forgive me of my sin and to save me because I did not want to spend eternity in hell. I wanted the promise that God had for me in His future. Please catch this. I didn't get. I don't remember what I prayed, but I know this. I didn't get on my face and go, "Lord, I believe you exist, and I'm good now." No, I, I believe that. I believe because you exist, I know that I have sinned and come short of your glory. But you sent your Son to die for me, and I'm putting my faith and trust in Him, my friend. That's the difference. Is everybody catching that? That's the difference. And here's the result of it: it was counted unto Him for righteousness. Counted. What does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because you know what it means? It means reckoned. That's a good southern word right there, amen? Do you know what it means? It means totaled. You know what God did? At the moment Abram, Abram put his faith in God. Listen to this. At the moment that he put his faith in God, catch this, his life was totaled up. His sin was totaled up. Past present and future sin and it was all done away with and he received the righteousness of God Amen. isn't that awesome Amen. now I know you're sitting here well yeah preacher I mean I'm saved and I know that but think about how encouraging that is Amen. but yeah because you understand listen no 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 because it does well you know pre, I mean after this he never sinned <laughs> read the next chapter read the next chapter when hey when when, when Sarah comes to him and says you know, this thing with God that He promised you, it's not working out. Here's Hagar, my, my, my handmaid. Take her. And they had Ishmael together. Boy, what a world of trouble that turned out to be. Still dealing with that today. Is anybody catching this? What I'm saying to you is this, is that Abraham, he, I'm just telling you, he struggled and he sinned again and messed up. And then, and then he had to get right with God in the next chapter. Got his name changed. But you understand, at the moment that he believed God, it was counted unto him as righteousness. The relationship was established, just the fellowship got messed up. But it's the same with us. Friend, I'm telling you, when you come to Jesus Christ by faith, and you put your faith in Him and you call upon Him, it is counted unto you for righteousness. That means this, that your life is totaled up. Your past sin, your present sin, and your future sin, it's all put under the blood, and you are a child of God. And that never changes. It never changes. The relationship never changes. Yes, there are times where you're going to sin, even as a child of God. Come on, read 1 John 1.8. We say that we have not sinned. We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. You're a liar if you sit here. Well, you know, preacher, I got saved and I've never sinned again. Liar, liar, pants on fire. That's right. But praise God for 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Man, I'm telling listen, it's just like my children. Man, my children will always be my children no matter what. No matter the amount of stress they put me under. They will always be my children. 
No matter the choices that they make. And I'm not saying that their choices aren't important. They are very important. I want them as their father to make godly choices and to choose God and to obey the things of God and take out the trash and wash the dishes and do it with the right spirit and be nice to each other. Because when they don't obey, when they don't obey and do what they're supposed to do, fellowship isn't what it's supposed to be. Is everybody catching this? But that relationship never changes. And it's the same way with me and you. If you're a child of the King this morning, you've been, you, listen, it's been counted for righteousness unto you. Your life has been totaled up in God. In the past, in the present, in the future sin, it's all been dealt with. It's all under the blood. You're now a child of the King. Somebody say amen. I'm just saying there may be times where fellowship isn't what it's supposed to be and you need to get right in those times and make it right. But I'm telling you, once you've been saved, it's been counted on you and that never changes, friend. That never changes. So Paul uses Abraham's faith and says this, here's exhibit A, that man is saved by grace through faith. Here's what else he says. Begins to do some reasoning with him as well. Look at what happens in the next verses. And I know I'm taking a little bit of time here, but look at this. Look at verse number 4. He says, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Alright, so, so beginning in verse number 4, you have the application of really Abraham's faith to New Testament believers, something that, that we've already done. And as it says there in verse number 5, if we believe or have faith as Abraham did, it is counted to us for, unrighteous, for righteousness. And I like this, even the ungodly can receive these things. Amen. By the way, we all are. I mean, he's already made that clear in chapter number 3. Somebody say amen, I'm telling you. What a blessing. But I like, look at verse number 4. Look at verse number 4. He says, now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned, but of... What's that word right there? I find it interesting that he calls it grace right here. You know what grace is? It's getting what we do not deserve. I like what somebody said, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. That little acronym. What a great thought. But this is what I want us to catch. Please catch this. Not only is this the application of Abraham's faith for us, but Paul begins to reason some things out further to prove his case for faith. And here's what, he's, here's what I believe he's getting at. Faith was never meant to be replaced or done away with by works or even the law. Because here's the thing. Works and the law don't lead us to that which faith leads us to. Look at what he says again in verse number 4. He says this, Now to him that worketh the reward is not reckoned of grace, but what? but of debt. So the end result of Abraham's faith was righteousness, or as Paul put it here, grace. But the end result of works is not grace, it's debt. In other words, you will constantly owe. It is the idea, please listen to this, you can never do enough good works to counter off the evil in your life. Well, you know, preacher, I mean, there's them big scales in heaven. And they're going to weigh my good against... Please catch this. There is none of that. There's none righteous. No, not one. And even our good works are as filthy rags. Somebody say amen. I'm just telling you that there's not going to be any of those things. In fact, look at verse number 14 of our text. He says, For they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, 
And the promise made of none effect. Again, law, the law wasn't meant to replace Abraham's faith. It says, because the law, here's why, the law worketh what? Wrath. The end of the law is wrath. And I'm telling you, friend, it's, it shows us that we're sinners. That's what, that's what the law does. Has it ever occurred to you that during the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, did I lose my microphone? That during the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, He deals with the Pharisees over and over and over again. And the Pharisees had some 900 other commandments that they had written apart from the law. Do you know why? Because even they were admitting we can't do enough to achieve our own righteousness. Do you know why? Because the law doesn't lead to righteousness. It leads to wrath. It shows us that we're sinners headed to the judgment of Almighty God because no man can keep the law. Is everybody catching this? I'm telling you what Paul is saying is this, friend, that there are no works. Oh, listen to this. There's no works and there's no law that can save you. If we could work our way to heaven, then why did Jesus Christ come and die on the cross for the sins of all of mankind? What Paul is saying is this, is that it doesn't make logical sense that we can be saved by works. God, when, God, when, God used the, when God gave us the example of Abraham that he, was, that he believed in God and, and it was counted unto him for righteousness, that even when the law came along, the law and the works of, of the Israelites, that was never meant to replace faith. Because here's the thing. You could make all the burnt offerings you wanted to, but if you were just going through the motions of it and trying to achieve your own righteousness through that, rather than humbling yourself and having faith in God, then that's never going to happen. That's right. You don't believe me, read Isaiah. Because that's exactly what Israel was doing. Man, they had all the new moons and the feasts and the burnt offerings and all this stuff. And God's saying, I'm sick of all of it. Stop it. Because your heart is not right with me. Is everybody catching this? You know what he's saying? He's saying this, that what you are doing was never meant to, re- be, was never meant to replace what Abraham had in his life, which is faith. It was meant to complement it. It was meant to be a manifestation of it. Just like your church attendance isn't going to make you right with God. That's right. You can come in here and punch the time clock and head out and just go through the motions of it all. Or you can read your Bible and go through the motions of it all. But my friend, I'm telling you, God doesn't want, God doesn't want you to go through God wants your heart. Amen. He wants humility and brokenness and faith in Him. And then look at this. Look at the end result. And I'm through. I'm going to finish up this morning. You guys look like you're done already. And I don't have time to deal with David and what David said, but really what Paul's point was this, is that only God has the power to forgive sin. Therefore, you've got to have faith in Him. But look at the last thing here. And this is really what I would say is exhibit C, and that's the result of Abraham's faith. Look at what he says in verse number 9 and 10. He says, Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, 
or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. What is he saying right there? Here's what he's saying. He's saying that Abraham's faith was in God and God, and God counted it to him for righteousness. And this was all before the covenant of circumcision. And, and because it took place before circumcision, it demonstrates this, that salvation in the New Testament by faith is available to all. Jew or Gentile, Greek or barbarian. I ate a lot of barbecue this week. I feel like a barbarian right now. Amen. Moral or immoral? Salvation is not based upon your family heritage, your upbringing. What side of the railroad tracks you grew up on? What color of skin you have? What nation you're from? Listen, and the list goes on and on and on. It is simply based upon faith in Jesus Christ. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As he's going to conclude in Romans chapter number 10. But here's the other thing. Look at verse 11. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had uh, which he had, yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And it goes on down, and you can keep reading it, but here's what he's saying. He's saying salvation by faith, it is a fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant that God made with him. He's going to be the father of many nations. Remember all them stars up in the sky? <laughs> that wasn't just Israel he was talking about. That was you and me too. And please understand this. I'm not talking about some weird reformed covenant theology where the church replaces Israel. That's nonsense. What I'm simply saying is this. Listen to this. Is that the heritage of the Jews... Having been, having been the people of God, watch this, it now becomes our heritage. <laughs> well, why? Because we're linked together by faith from Abraham to now. So, preacher, why, why is that? Because I'm telling you, listen to this, because without that, please catch this, the Gentile would feel like a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God. However, that's not the case. Father Abraham had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. And I'm telling you, by faith, listen to this, we have the same access to the same great God. It's faith. It's faith. That's all it is. It's not facts. I said it's not facts. It's a real biblical faith and trust that produces real biblical fruit. So maybe you're here this morning and say, Preacher, man, there's a time and place where I called on the Lord and I know and I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You know what I would say to you? Praise God. What a blessing. And maybe you needed to just be encouraged this morning to say this, you can never lose that. You can blow it, but praise God, you can get right with God and have that fellowship restored. Somebody say amen. 
And I'm telling you, listen, you have, you have the same access to the same great God that Abraham did. What a blessing. That encourages me. I don't know about you. But maybe you're here this morning and say, Preacher, you know, I, I got this little confirmation letter when I was a kid from a religion. And, or, you know, I, I, I did this or I did that. Or I've, I've got this going right here, but I've never put my faith and trust in Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Preacher, I believe in God, but I've never put my faith and trust in Christ. Well, my friend, you don't have faith. You don't have biblical faith. And I'm telling you, it, it bothers me to watch the day and the age in which we live in and to see the lack of fruit from a lot of people who claim to be saved. And I'm sitting there thinking, you better go back and check James chapter 2. Because you might have a dead faith. But you can have a biblical faith this morning. By putting it in Jesus Christ. Let's all stand this morning.